Welcome to Hearing Loss Live Talks Plains. Hi, welcome to Hearing Loss Live. It's November, and we all know what that means. Holidays are right around the corner, right? We have a series of travel and talking about all the fun events you might be doing this holiday season and best practices with your hearing loss. Today, we're going to talk planes. Travel is something we all do, and plane travel in airports is really, really difficult, whether you have a hearing or a hearing loss. We have one of what we think is the best experts on travel with us here today as one of our co-founders, and that's Michelle Linder. I'm going to turn it over to her, and she's going to talk to you about her travel experience and best practices that's worked for her. Michelle, can you give us some insight? Thank you, Julia. Um, you know, you don't have to have a disability or hearing loss to be nervous about traveling, especially if you're traveling solo. Um, there are all kinds of people who have all of their senses, um, and they just become unraveled with travel. Um, but it's kind of an attitude shift. I had the good fortune of having a spouse who worked for a major airline. So from 1993 all the way to 2017, I had flight benefits, unlimited flight benefits. And so I was able to travel a lot. And early on, I decided that traveling solo was a good idea as a training ground on how to um, become a better communicator and a better self-advocate. And so I, I used travel um, to know myself better, better as a person with hearing loss. And there are two really major things that you need to remember. You can't fake here when you're traveling solo. You just can't. You have to get the information right. And so by traveling alone, you're forced to communicate better, to stand up for yourself more, and tell people exactly what you need. If you're not hearing what they're saying, um, you have to find another way to do it. And so through trial and error, I learned how to be a much better self-advocate and communicator. The other thing um, that you need to do is state your truth. A lot of times people just tell um, others, they assign themselves a label. I'm hearing impaired. I'm hard of hearing. I have a hearing loss. But that really leaves a lot of questions. People aren't really sure what all that means. Um, I use, if I, if I label myself, I tell people that I'm deaf, but I'm a lip reader. And so um, then I go on to tell them what I need. So state your truth and give people direction on how to communicate with you and, and tell them um, outright what you need for communication. Um, for me, that might be... Um, 
you know, writing things down. I usually, and, you know, you need to do it every step of the way. You're going to come into contact with the ticket agent, the gate agent, TSA people, um, anyone um, throughout the airport. So you have to tell people that you can't hear and what you need from them. Um, and I always say I'm deaf, I'm a lip reader, but it doesn't always work. So you may have to write this down for me if it's information that I need to be confident that I got right. Um, I tell everyone when I board the plane, I tell the flight attendant, the first flight attendant I see, you need to know that I'm deaf, but I read lips and here's what I need from you. If you need my attention, tap me on the shoulder and then start speaking. Also, I'm not going to hear the emergency announcements. So you're going to have to come and get me and make sure that I know what's going on. And, you know, after I've done that, very rarely does anything arise because she spreads the word, tells the other flight attendants. And then when I sit down, I also do the same thing with my seatmate. Um, sometimes I'll joke around and say, hey, you, you're in luck today. I'm not going to be chatty. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm deaf. If you need my attention, just tap me on the shoulder, um, that kind of thing. And there are all kinds of things um, that you can do. But the biggest thing is don't fake it. State your truth and take control. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Shelly because she has some other pointers. I don't want to take all the information to talk about here yes um let's see so i've traveled not as much as michelle but enough to get around and there's been times i've traveled by myself probably more times than i've traveled with my husband just because i've gone to hearing loss conventions and he doesn't always go with me so that was a good training ground for me too and where I learned it really is important to mark the hearing impaired uh, section when buying my ticket because if I if I don't have it on my ticket they might question it when I get up to the counter so I'm very careful to mark that every time now Uh, I sometimes have a button that I would wear that says I'm a lip reader Hopefully, it's a visual that people will pick up on and, oh, yeah, she's not going to hear me. So that I'm a lip reader button really helps. And I don't have one with me right right now. I've gone with my husband a few times. And there was, I remember one time I was kind of like, oh, I'll just have him help me because, oh, it's a hearing person with me now. But, you know, he might not be focused on the conversation or the announcements. He's not focused on the announcements because he has his brain that's always eavesdropping on other people's conversations. So if I'll ask him what the announcement said, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Or I would ask him what the announcement said and he would say, it's not important. You know, one of those things we all hate to hear. And I, I learned it was really frustrating to depend on him for me because of our different ways of thinking. And that's when I took charge and thought, okay, the next time we fly together, I'm marking hearing impaired and he's going to have to go with me 
and and do the whole routine with me or he can board whenever he wants <laughs> because it wasn't any less stressful depending on him it was more stressful almost and that's made not fair to him or me so it was better for me to just take charge and go okay i'm pre-boarding you can come with me or you can wait I I don't think I was that mean precisely, but it was that was my thinking, and it was a lot better. I mean, it takes away all the stress to be bored, and I hadn't no idea how uh, how much anxiety I had at airports until I realized I was just completely worn out when I got on the plane from trying to hear. It's nice if they have a visual system. Not all airports have a visual system for boarding. And even then, by the time it lights up, they, they've made the announcement before, and I'm late getting in line. And um, So it's just easier to pre-board, and I'm going to take it. And I've had people, it's like one of those things, okay? Airports are the worst acoustic places ever for me. It's like being in a big gymnasium where noise is bouncing around and people and just it's I can't almost can't can't hear voices at all there. So it's very difficult and stressful and and pins and needles. That's all I'm gonna say is pins and needles. Pre boarding took away so much anxiety. I get on the plane I'm relaxed. I'm like, okay, I'm not so worn out for the next step of the journey and can keep up. And even in planes, I cannot hear speech on planes. Those jet engines override it all for me. So it is kind of nice. Like, I've never had used the line, I'm not going to be chatty. (laughs) But I've been myself relieved to go in and sit down and I tap, I tell the person next to me, that I'm pretty much deaf on an airplane and I'm not going to hear when the waitress comes up or waitress stewardess comes up and down the aisle. So they need to tap me. And most of the time they just let me be. And and I'm kind of happy not talking on airplanes. (laughs) And what else can I say? The TSA agents, they are pretty good. And, and everything when I go through and they say, I tell them, okay, you want me to face this way and do this whole bit? So, but no, I can't see you and I'm not going to hear anything you say. So you're going to have to tap me on the shoulder when it's done. And they've all been pretty good. I've not had a bad experience going through TSA, knock on wood. Um, I just wanted to piggyback on what Shelley said about pre-boarding. Um, it really does lessen your anxiety. I know in the early years when I traveled alone, I was always, and I always do carry on. Um, so I, I want to find a spot for my luggage in the overhead. And when you're in the aisle and you're trying to wrestle with your luggage to get it up there, there are people passing you by and you're not hearing what they say behind you. And so that's kind of stressful. And I've had people get really angry with me because I'm not responding to them. And then I explain, you know, I can't look 
up to put my luggage up there and look behind me to see if somebody's going to talk to me. So pre-boarding really does lessen that anxiety. And, you know, I never, it never occurred to me to ask about that. And early in my flying solo, um, there was a passenger who was blind and she got all kinds of accommodation. I mean, the, the, the gate agents were just falling all over themselves to make sure that she pre-boarded. And, and yeah, they should have. There's nothing wrong with that. But it occurred to me, um, you know, I should ask for these things. And um, in the beginning, um, it seemed like they didn't feel like I needed to pre-board. Um, but then it became better over the years. And pre-boarding really does take away that anxiety because as a non-rev passenger and as a um, family member of an employee, you have to wait for them to call your name. Um, Now they have it on the screen, which is a big help, but it used to be you had to hear your name called. So I would hover up there by the, the gate counter and, you know, a lot of times the gate agents would get really irritated and say, go sit down, we'll call you. And I said, but I can't hear you and I'm not going to take a chance on you missing my name called. So I'm going to stand right here. <laughs> so you, you, it teaches you to be direct and aggressive, um, not in a, a negative, aggressive way. Um, but, you know, those simple things really do make the experience a lot better. And you learn how to conduct yourself a lot better. And, um, so, and there's some other things you can do. Um, the special services line, which it may be called different things at different airports, different countries is for people with disabilities. And hopefully those TSA agents who are manning that line have had some training about people with disabilities. Um, I, I've gotten some flack from other people who are hard of hearing saying, oh, I don't need that line. You know, I, I don't know why you would even use that. But it really gets you through the airport quicker. You don't have to wait in the long security line. Um, you're, you know, TSA makes verbal announcements, and I never heard those until I would get up to that person, and then they would, you know, kind of chide me for not having done whatever it is they told everyone to do. So it alleviates, if you're nervous about traveling, going through the special services line really shortens that weight. And, um, again, hopefully – TSA people who man that line know a little bit more about people who communicate differently. And I'm, I'm like Shelly, when you have to stand in and put your arms up and look ahead, I'm not going to hear them. So I say, hey, I'm deaf, so you're going to have to pull me out of this thing, whatever. But um, I, I can remember the first time I used the special services line. I saw people using it, and so I asked one of the TSA people, is this line for people who are deaf or hard of hearing? And, and they said yes. And then the first time I used it, I had a TSA person call me out. And actually, the other passengers were making a big thing about it, too. Hey, she's cutting. Why is she using that line? Because you don't look 
like you have a disability. And so the TSA person didn't want to let me use the line. And so I asked for a supervisor and they came and they told their employee, yes, this line is for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And so I started using it from then on, not because I needed it so much, but because I wanted to educate people who were manning that line. It's important that we take responsibility and educate along the way. So those are a couple of um, more tips from my experience. I'm sure Shelly has other things. I'm, I have a million stories I could go into, but we don't have a ton of time. And Julia has something to contribute, I'm sure. So I'm going to turn it over to one of them. Make sure I'm on here. Uh, actually, a thought occurred to me, Michelle, when you were talking about education. Why is TSA management not educating their employees? Where is their training on what disabilities are and how they may or may not look? Um, I find in my past experience in human resource, that invisible disabilities get missed a lot in training, training managers, training supervisors, training human resource departments. Um, I think it gets missed in, in um, training of gate agents. And, you know, my grandma, we never had a problem. She was, by the time we traveled together on planes, she was wheelchair bound in the in the airport so we had all sorts of services um i'm honestly not sure and never had a conversation on what she did before wheelchairs on hearing loss but she traveled in a group so i don't think she ever really had to hear the announcements everybody got up to board for spain so she got up and boarded with them um so I, but i do find a lack of training and i do find on a public level, inclusion would be everything's captioned, right? Open captioned. I can't hear anything in an airport, and now we're all masks. And I'm okay with the masks. I don't have a problem with that. Though I think if they're talking into this thing, they need to be taking their mask off, not talking into the thing with the mask on because it just makes it worse. And I, you know, that's my one complaint. But, you know, if it was just all captioned, it wouldn't be a big deal, and things are really chaotic right now at the airport, is my experience from travel this summer. Um, I can't imagine that. I just, for me, it's like, wow, I can't even imagine if I had a hearing loss, I'd be, I don't know, I don't think I'd be getting on a plane right now. But, um, again, you know, looped and, and public access and caption boards everywhere, I don't, it can't be that difficult. How much was just spent on the Salt Lake Airport? I don't even know how much. I think there is some looping in some of it, but it's not really, you know, they didn't reach out to the community and say, hey, what would make this even better? I don't know. But bottom line, I do think there needs to be a better, I guess, sensitivity, understanding, and inclusive discussion with employees at the airports and at, at the air, air airplane levels um, for each of the companies. I, I just think that should all be mandatory. I don't, I don't know how to make that mandatory, but 
spot for you all out there. Let's work on that. Shelley? That's the general public, because hardly anybody knows hearing loss, and them seeing us cut in front, pre-board, she's walking. Why does she get to, to go on? And um, I remember specifically one time I was pre-boarding, and there was a guy lined up to be number one. He purchased the ticket where he could be right up front or something extra. And I walked up in front of him at the end of the pre-board line. And, you know, I never hear anybody. So his voice must have been specific or maybe he was projecting. I don't know why, but I heard him say, why does she get to pre-board? It's just a hearing loss. And I, you know, I tried not to turn around and acknowledge it. <laughs> because I, I'm like, he's just clueless. He just really doesn't know what it's like to be in an airport with hearing loss. There's a sense of anticipation or prediction in that you see people starting to get up and move two lines, but you're never sure exactly what lines they called or numbers, uh, because I think it's numbers now. And, you know, there's been other times when it's been delayed or the gate's been moved. And you see people kind of in 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 a mass gather up their stuff and go to another gate. And I I have to go find things out. Uh, if the t- ticket agent is still there, then I can ask them. If they're not, I found myself going to read a board, that big board, to find out where all the gates and departures are. So I, I you kind of have to ignore those kind of people. It's their problem not ours. They have no idea what it's like to be in our shoes. Captioning would be wonderful in airports. All announcements captioned, everything on the plane. They are better about captioning some announcements on the plane when you're watching the little movie screen, but it's not all captioned, and there's a lot of things I miss, like when the pilot talks about the weather uh, the temperature and other little side things they talk about, like flying over the Grand Canyon, maybe, or something like that. So that's never captioned. I miss out on those. But you can kind of see everybody's head swivel to the window. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, look down. There's something out there. <laughs> so I use a lot of prediction or anticipation in what I do. And the other thing I'll say is that I've been on a few long flights in the last three, four years, and the movies are not all captioned. I have to go to a specific list for captioned movies, and it gives me just this, these, some of these movies that they offer. They offer all kinds of movies to everybody, but I can only watch the ones with captions. So it would be nice if all the movies were captioned. If it's a stream movie, isn't that like Netflix and uh, Prime and all of that? Shouldn't they have captioning on everything? That's actually a good question. And I was going to ask you, have you ever written in and asked them, emailed, hey, why why is this the list? Because I would be interested to know that answer. Michelle is nodding her head. Maybe she's asked it. 
Um, I have written in, of course, my husband worked for a major airline, um, so I sent countless letters, and actually some of the captioning advocacy groups have made that a group effort, and I remember years ago we all um, combined on an effort to write to major airlines um, to let them know what we need. Um, I mean, you know, every flight I get off, there's a person standing there with a play card with my name on it in a wheelchair. And I always say, why, thank you, but I'm perfectly capable of walking. This is not a good accommodation for me. Please let your supervisor know that um, it's great if someone needs that, but most of us, what we need is the text of announcements, and we need information in text form. We need captioning on in-flight entertainment, those kinds of things. So please let your supervisor know that, but thank you for trying, and then I walk on my way. Now, some people think a wheelchair is great. They don't want to have to navigate the airport they're perfectly fine to ride. Um, the same thing with traveling with a companion. When I travel with a hearing partner, um, I don't like feeling invisible. I don't like never being talked to. I want to communicate for myself. And so there are different comfort levels with that. Some people are fine letting the hearing person take charge and do everything. I'm not. And that's because I've traveled alone so much. I know what I need. I can tell people what I need. I don't need someone else to communicate for me. So that's a personal decision, and I, I don't judge anyone for choosing differently. But I want to communicate for myself. And, um, you know, we, we have to educate because um, – there are some really uninformed people um, when you you travel uh, by air or, or any um, mode of travel. I, I know when I flew to Salt Lake City for the first time and I got ready to come home, I was going through the special services line and the TSA person stopped me and said, you can't use this line, pointed to the handicap sign and said, this is only for people with wheelchairs. And I said, so you think that this sign means that only people with wheelchairs can use it? Well, yeah. And I said, would you mind getting your supervisor? And, you know, it's never a power trip or anything. I really want people to think about things and to know um, their job better. And so the supervisor came out explained to the person that the wheelchair was just a symbol for disability. It didn't mean that only people with wheelchairs could use that line and that I was perfectly eligible to use it. And so that person was educated. And, I, of course, I told the supervisor, it might be a great idea for you to do some training on this with all of your TSA people. So, and, you know, I've even got gotten flack from other hard-of-hearing people who say I, I, I served on a travel panel and was talking about the special services line, and they said, well, Michelle, you travel so much, you don't even need that. I don't even know why you use it. And I said, because I want to educate people, because most people don't use it. They they don't want to feel like they're getting special treatment or they're timid, too timid to ask, but I'm going to use it because I want to, people to be educated. So, you know, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's good insight. 
Any other thoughts, Shelley? Let me take a look at my notes that I've been writing. Oh, on loops. We have advocated for loops, and one of my most favorite times to wear hearing aids is when I'm in a loop because I know I'm going to hear clearly and without any of the background noise. And it would be just awesome if each gate had a, a small seating section, you know, reserved for people with hearing loss and hearing aids, telecoils and their hearing aids, because I could just snap into that and it would block out almost all the airport noise. And I would hear announcements just like they're in my head. And so I, that's why I hear a lot better with them. But we, we've had a hard time getting airports to loop them, loop their uh, gates and waiting areas because they don't get it. <laughs> Bottom line, they don't get it. So loops would be awesome. And I would like that just as much as captions, but really captions kind of cover it all. That gets deaf, oral deaf, like Michelle, that gets deaf people who know uh, some English and they can get in on the captions. So captions is the big one, but boy, loops would be so nice because I would feel like I could sit there and read a book like everybody else or play a game on my phone and relax. And then I would know I would get those announcements and I'd be fine. Um, I think Minnesota has a loop portion in their airport. There's some, I think, one in Michigan. And I can't remember where the other ones are, but you need to look for the ALD symbol, which is like the shape of an ear with a one or two slashes through it. And it'll say T on it if it's telecoil and loop. So if you look for those and you have a T coil in your hearing aid, you have to ask your audiologist about that. I can't tell you, and you can't tell by looking at a hearing aid. Boy, it's just the most wonderful thing to pop into the T-coil mode and sit there and read a book. That, that would be a dream. It's a doable dream. Michelle, do you have any more thoughts? Um, I think that's probably covers it in the time we have. But again, I'm going to reemphasize, don't fake it. Faking is a coping mechanism, but it's not necessarily a positive coping mechanism. So stop fake hearing. Try to get the information asked. Um, and you don't, you don't need to post self-advocacy as a question. Don't say, would you mind? Or, you know, those kind of wishy-washy phrases. Just tell people, this is what I need from you. And, you know, it's not being a complainer. It's not, you know, demanding. It's just telling people, people like that instruction. And, you know, not letting things slide. Um, you know, when someone offers me the Braille menu, I point that out. You're going to feel really dumb when I tell you this, but Braille is for people who are blind, and they're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, and then it becomes kind of a funny thing between you, and they've learned something. So don't be afraid to speak up no matter what it is. Um, it really 
will help you become a better self-advocate, a better communicator. And, um, you know, as a traveler, I don't want to wait until someone's free to go with me. I'm just going to set out and go by myself. And I want to feel comfortable doing that. And from my years of travel, I am comfortable doing that. And it's taught me more about my hearing loss than I think anything I've done. So, um, you know, travel by air can be challenging. But it also can be very rewarding and teach you a lot. Thank you, Michelle. You're a great example of, of be prepared to take care of yourself, in my opinion. Um, no matter what your disability is, I think even Michelle can move across all inclusivity. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we're going to give you hosing cards. What better for your holidays than to travel and be in a car with others where you can't hear a thing, right? So we're going to give you tips and tricks that, that Michelle and, and Shelly and even myself have used when we're traveling with posing cars. We hope you're joining us tomorrow night with Conquering Your Next Family Gathering with Hearing Loss. And we are excited to have you enjoying our stuff. Remember to like us on your social media. And see you next week. Bye. Join Hearing Loss Live Talks next week. Hose in cars.